I remember one instance, Camilo Bajegas and I were down there. I don't remember if it was uh, after – it might have been after the season ended. He was he was prepping for Q school or, or something else. He had just graduated. We were we were out there kind of late evening. It was 6 o'clock or something on the range practicing, and we go out and play. And I think um, we played about 12 or 13 holes. I think I was like eight under. He was seven, eight under, something like that. And we were like, well – We'll just, we'll just head on in because it started getting slow. We weren't going to finish anyway. We're just going to head on in. It's no big deal. Perfect. Well, we appreciate you joining us, Jesse. You're head coach at Lamar University. But before we talk about how you got there, talk about your career at Florida, all that kind of stuff, let's kind of just start from the beginning. How'd you get into the game of golf originally? Really didn't have a choice. <laughs> uh, as soon as I could walk, pretty much just playing golf. Um, my dad was a pro, uncle was on tour. Other uncle was a was a pro. Um, he ended up caddying for, for my other uncle on tour. Um, my older brother played you know, division one golf at Mississippi state cousin played division one golf at Moorhead. Um, so pretty much when I was walking, I was around golf and, and going to the golf course with my, my dad when he was working, um, spent all day there, didn't know what I was doing, but I, I was there. So that's, that's kind of how I got my start, you know, just kind of there. I had all the tools around me and, um, took advantage of my, I guess you could say. It sounds like it. And it also sounds like, you know, being surrounded by it, that many good players. We hear just a lot of similar stories in the sense that a lot of people who grow up in a golf family just kind of come to it naturally. Was it so, was playing good and being a good player something you came to naturally, or was it something that took a little more time and a little more work? It was more of a natural thing for me. Um, you know, when you when you're playing golf at two, three years old, as soon as you could walk, it's typically things come natural, right? Um, you know, that and along with just the little hints here and there that that kind of put me on path, um, the little tidbits of knowledge that I gained at a really, really young age, it made everything that much easier. So you start playing when you're really young, kind of grow up in the game. When did you decide to start playing competitive golf, start playing tournament golf, or when did you kind of get into that? First tournament was five years old, Junior Fall Cities here in Louisville. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was a, an experience. I, I don't remember all of it. Uh, what I do remember is from a, uh, a little TV broadcast that was that was aired that night or something. I was the youngest kid to ever play it or or something like that. I don't know. I remember my mom had to help me carry my golf bag. That's how little I was. So it was uh, it was quite a quite an experience. I was lucky. I played with my brother and my cousin in the uh, in the qualifying stroke play portion of it. So it made it a little bit less <laughs> less unnerving, I guess. But uh, no, it was that was when I started. I was five. Uh, needless to say, I didn't win that tournament. Uh, <laughs> I think I shot 10, I don't know, 105 or something for nine holes. It was a long day, but uh, but no, it was cool. It was fun. It was fun. And so, did you keep playing tournaments after that, and just kind of follow it up from there? How'd you get into playing like really solid tournament golf? Because by the time we get to the end of high school for you, you're two time Mister Golf. Uh, you went to St. X in Louisville. You guys have won, I think, three state championships. So, uh, at some point in time, you go from shooting 105 over. Uh, nine holes to a whole lot better. Yeah. Um, you know, I kept playing tournaments from then on. 
um, you know, with in Louisville at the time, there was the, the Pepsi Junior Tour, there was the Baker Geary Dunn Tour, um, which I think now is the Muscleman or the uh, Hurricane Tour. I forget which, you know, that kind of the progression that's gone on. But um, yeah, there was, there was always tournaments in the summer. Um, and then when I was about, I want to say I was 14, I went up to uh, Ashland, Kentucky to, to try to qualify for the AJGA Bluegrass, uh, Henry Griffiths Bluegrass, it was at the time. And I, played well enough to qualify. So that was my first, first national event. Um, so I played tournaments from five until, you know, 14, started playing national events. And then from there on, it was just kind of tournaments every, every time I could play, you know, so ended up playing all the, all the big AJGAs, all the Rolex, the Thunderbirds, the U S junior, all that good stuff. And, um, obviously playing those, prepares you a little bit better for, for high school golf. Um, when you're playing against kids who don't quite get the opportunity to play in those events. Um, so it makes, it makes high school golf a little easier. Um, but you still have to go out there and and perform. So, uh, it was, it was fun. It was cool. So by the time you were a, uh, I think it was a junior in high school, you won that AJGA bluegrass junior. Um, how many times had you played in this event, uh, before winning it? I think that was my third I think that was my third. Um, I, I, the first time I played, I was a freshman in high school. Um, and then obviously my sophomore year I played and, and, and I won the third year I played. So it was, um, I've always played good there for some reason. I don't know why I didn't really, that course doesn't suit me that well. It's short and, and, you know, you have to hit over corners or around corners, but, um, I played, I played well there for some reason. I've seen a video of you, I think from, um, uh back in the early 2000s, someone posted a video a while back of your swing. And it's hard to, it's hard to tell when you look at video from early 2000, but it looked like you had a lot of speed. And when I looked at um, your stats, as far as when you went to Florida, we'll get to that, but you're 6'3", 195 coming in. What kind of, what kind of helped you in your game? Were you a strong guy who hit the ball a long way? What kind of helped you as a junior get the ball around? Um, so I, I had, <laughs> I'm a lefty. Most people think lefties are just great at short game for whatever reason. Um, that's usually the case. And, <laughs> and I do hold true to that. Um, you know, so I, I was, I was fortunate to, to be long, to be, you know, a, a big guy strong. Um, I hit the ball. I don't know. I think my, in, in my playing days, my freshman year of college high and senior year of high school, I was hitting six iron, 200 yards, uh, you know, driver, carrying three 310 or so um and that's with the old <laughs> the old Titleist 975d you know uh so i hit it i hit it a really long way um but that went with, what went with that was um i did a lot of a lot of work with wedges and my short game and um you know if you hit it far you have a lot of wedges so i was i was pretty good with wedging um i had a good short game and, and I was fortunate enough to always make make putts. You know, I, I mean, I wasn't the, the best putter, I would say, but I wasn't I wasn't far behind it. So I I had kind of the best of of all the worlds. Really, it's almost like a it's almost a cheat code, really, because I hit it really far, fairly straight, and then I hit really good wedge shots, and really good short games. So you put all that together, um, you're gonna you're gonna play some good golf eventually. That's the truth. And you played enough good golf to by the beginning of your senior year of high school, you were number one, I believe, in your class for the golf week rankings. You chose to go to Florida. What brought you to go play there? So Buddy Alexander was the coach there at Florida at the time. And he 
his he has a long history of my family. Um, he knew my dad from playing mini tour golf in Florida, coached both of my uncles in college, one at Georgia Southern, one at LSU. And then he um, he recruited my brother to go to Florida and, and my brother ended up going to Mississippi State. But, you know, obviously with all that history, um, I went to the Gator golf camp when I was a kid, you know, went down there and I loved it. And as soon as you could get uh, letters back then, you had to get letters uh, in the mail. <laughs> as, soon as, you got, as soon as I got the written offer to go to Florida, I, I pretty much accepted it. So um, I looked at a couple other schools, but nothing crazy serious. I always, always wanted to go to Florida. I always wanted to go south just for the, the purpose of weather, um, be able to play year round. And then at the time, I want to say in 2002, they won the national title um, or maybe 2001. You know, I was a, a 2003 graduate, so I, they were ranked number one or two in the, in the nation at the time. So when you get a, an offer from the number one or two ranked school in the nation, you, you especially when it's Florida, you, you go ahead and go. And I knew the I knew Buddy. Obviously, Buddy's a Hall of Fame coach, great coach, uh, very knowledgeable about the game, great player himself. So it was kind of a no-brainer, really. So as soon as you got to Florida, I mean, you pretty much um, stepped right into the lineup. You played in all of the events. I think you averaged like around 72 for 15 rounds and you were SEC co-freshman of the year. Um, what was it like making that transition? Obviously, it seemed to be pretty easy for you. You were already an elite player. Yeah, the transition to college was um, – it's different for everybody. I was fortunate because my, my, I had an older brother who, who went to college and I was – I'd seen – you know, what college players are about. I wasn't starstruck when I got there. My, most of the guys on my team I knew previously. There's James Vargas, Matt Every, Ryan Cochran. Um, I knew those guys through junior golf. Uh, the guys that I didn't know, I met at the U.S. Amateur this summer before I started school. So, uh, you know, like Camilo Bajegas, uh, who else was there? Maybe Duke Butler. Um, but there were other guys that were playing – kind of the tournaments that I was playing in. In the summer before I went, I played more amateur events. I think I played the Southern Am, the Western Am, obviously the US Am. You know, so as a 17-year-old, you're playing amateur events, you're you're getting a little bit different experience. And and that experience helped me kind of make that jump. Just, you know, you see college golf is vastly different than junior golf. You know, you see actual grown men playing golf, not just <laughs> 17, 16-year-old kids. So um, it is a little bit of a jump, but that that kind of helped me um, that and along with I used to go visit my brother when he was at Mississippi State when I was 15 and I would play with his team, um, you know, so just playing. I always played up in, in my life. You know, when I was junior golf, you asked me what I, you know, tournaments I played. I was supposed to be in the 11 and under. I played in the you know 12 or 13 or you know, 14, 15 age group. And then when I was 13, I was playing the championship age group. So I always played up. I never had an issue with playing against kids who are older, who are bigger, you know, um, more mature, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think that mentally helped me. I didn't see it being a big step. Now, obviously, going to college as a I think I was I had just turned 18. Um, I was a big kid. I hit it far. So they didn't have that portion over me. Now they they were grown men. They were intimidating in terms of just to talk to. They had completely different life experiences at the time, <laughs> you know, so. That was that part was a little different, but um, no, the the actual uh, transition wasn't too too difficult because of all those all those things that I did the summer before and, and just kind of throughout my whole life. So I was I was fortunate in that sense. I think the hardest part is just being on your own, you know, trying to get used to your time, uh, scheduling your classes, 
doing your laundry, <laughs> making sure all the little things that your parents typically do, or your mom does or whatever, you know, uh, that's the thing that is the hardest part for most of the kids that, that make that transition or struggle during that transition. Yeah. You then 2003, when you played at that USAM, you made it to the quarterfinals, which a lot of guys, I wouldn't say a lot of guys, but a lot of solid players make it to the USAM, but then make, sorry, I say quarterfinals, but I'll rephrase yeah, that. The, <laughs> a lot yeah. of, a lot of solid quarterfinals guys was us junior. <laughs> that's right. Uh, a lot of solid guys make it through to the, USAM, but then making it to match play. Uh, I've been out there for several guys and it's a hard, hard, it's a hard thing to get into as far as like making it through the course, how they set that up. It takes some maturity most of the time to make it through and you got to stay patient. What did that USAM experience teach you that summer going into college? When I played the USAM, it was at Oakmont which Oakmont's a monster. It's, it's brutal. USAM, they have two courses. One, they have the actual you know, championship course, and they have the uh, another course that they have. Um, I think it was the Pittsburgh Field Club or Pittsburgh Athletic Club was the one I played. And I was fortunate. I shot, I think I shot 68 or something. I played pretty good there, which you have to play good at the easy course in the USAM to make it to, to match play. Um, I think I shot 77 at Oakmont, which not overly bad, but it's, <laughs> you can get it. You can, it, that course can get you pretty easily, but no, I learned, I, I learned how to practice. Um, I learned more about course management there and, and kind of where you're supposed to hit it, how you're supposed to leave it. Obviously there, the greens are, I think we're rolling a 14 at the end of the, at the end of the week, maybe a 15 on the stem. So it can't be above the hole. Um, and then I learned how good the, the really good ones are, you know, I, I made it to match play. I think I made it just in, uh, I think there was a playoff uh, for the last spot. And I was I was the guy who got in um, just without having the playoff. But so at being one of the lower seeds, I played Bill Haas the, my first match. I was going to be a freshman, and Bill was going to be a senior, and he was the number one amateur in the, in the world at the time. And I got beat pretty handily, and uh, you know I didn't play my best, but I think. I think Bill was even par through 13 or 14 holes. And that was, that was, that was it. That was the end of the match. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it, it showed me how good, how good they are. And, and um, obviously I had some nerves going to that, that first match. And I wanted to, I wanted to do really well. Cause I didn't, you know, I wasn't one that'd be like, man, he's Bill Haas. He's going to beat me, whatever. I wanted to kick his ass and, and I ended up kicking my own ass. So, uh, but he played well, you know, he played well, he shot even. And even if I played well, I don't know if I would have been able to do that. But I, I would have made it a little more respectful if I just, you know, played my game instead of trying to do too much. I understand that. When it when it comes to those types of nerves, uh, especially playing in those big events, and especially playing in USGA events, it can be like that because they're a little uptight about things. What do you do or what did you do at the time to try to, like, deal with those nerves? Honestly, I, I never – I was always nervous on the first hole, right? And my my tee shot was typically a little quick hook. So on the first tee, I would I would just the only thing I thought about was just nice and smooth, or you know, take my time getting back to the ball, or you know, whatever it is, whatever my swing thought was to do to fix that. Um, but in terms of of you know preparation before the round, I would just take my time. I would get there with plenty of time. I would stretch. I would you know I didn't want to be in a rush. Um, there's not one thing I specifically did, but I just made sure that on that first tee, I knew my, I knew my tendency on the first tee. I knew it was, I was going to get quick and I was going to hit a prior hook. So I would either hit like a little punch two iron to just kind of get it in play. 
and kind of get the round started or I would um, do everything in my power to keep my swing as slow as possible, um, which even though you think that it still gets quick, you know, so um, that's really the only thing I did. I just knew I knew what worked for me. I knew my tendency on my body and, and that's it. Is that is that mindset something that you just learned over time or did you have a specific person um, in your career that helped you? So, I, you know, I came from a big golf family. Whether I know it or not, I would say probably my dad and, and my Uncle Jody, they probably helped me with that. Um, I remember playing the, the polo match play. I, I might have been 14 or 15. It was my freshman year of high school. Uh, it was in Orlando. My Uncle Jody at the time lived down in Sarasota area. So he came up and, and walk, walked with me through the practice round and through the tournament and to kind of watch me and critique me afterwards. And um, you know, the practice round was very, very eye-opening for me just to have him. Obviously, at this time, he he had uh, quit playing golf, kind of retired from the game. But, he, you know, he played in, I don't know, 15 majors, a bunch of Masters, a bunch of British Opens. So he has the experience and the knowledge, um, kind of what it's like and, and, and what it is and, and how to, you know, get through that. So I would say him and my dad really helped me get through that. It wasn't like a, hey, when you get nervous, do this. It was a, man, you're probably going to feel this or, you know, what happened? You look like you're out of sorts. Like, let's talk about it. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of trial and error. What, what, what works for you? Because what works for me might not work for you. What worked for him might not work for me. So it's just kind of figuring out what, what works for you. What's the best way your body and your mind will work together to, to create good golf shots when you're under that, that stress or that pressure. That's good advice to get. And it's nice uh, to get that kind of sage counsel from guys who've been through the ringer, jumping back to college really quickly. I wanted to talk a little bit about your sophomore year, sophomore year, you redshirted, had surgery, uh, for an injury. What kind of went on there and tell us about that and kind of how that affected the rest of your college career. So I came back to school. I, I had an injury in high school with basketball, nothing too, well, it ended up being major, but I was out for a while, but in, in the wintertime in Kentucky, it didn't matter. You know, you just take your time off anyway. Um, so I came back after that, played fine, obviously played fine my freshman year. Um, throughout those year, that year and a half or so of, of when the injury happened in high school through freshman year of college into the sophomore year of college, um, for whatever reason, I, 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 you know, some bone spurs uh, were formed. I had some loose bone chips in my right ankle on my lefty, so it was my lead ankle. And during qualifying one day, I, I could barely, like my ankle looked like a – had a softball or a volleyball and like it was huge and I could barely walk. My coach came up to me on like the 10th hole or, or 11th hole or something. He goes, mud, man, what's like, you all right, dude, you can barely like your ankle looks huge. <laughs> you can barely walk. I'm like, man, it hurts, but you know, finished the day. And, and then we, I went to the trainer and, and we got a uh, x-ray MRI, all that good stuff. And I ended up having four bone spurs and five loose bone chips kind of floating around, tearing up all my cartilage. Obviously that had to be fixed. So did the surgery um, it was bone on bone. So I had to be, I think in a, in a, like a, on crutches for like eight weeks or something, which is double what you're supposed to just because the way, the way the bone on bone was, but so I, I did, you know, I did all that, did the, the rehab, did all that. And, and when I came back, you know, it just wasn't quite the same. It wasn't as strong. It wasn't as stable. And, uh, you know, I, I was still playing, um, you know, still practicing, but I just never got that confidence back um, in the sense of, 
you know, when you when your swing breaks down, you can't quite get through it the, the same way. I started hitting it left and right, and um, then I kind of got in the mental aspect of of what <laughs> a lot of people have have had. I never had it to that point, um, so that was that was humbling. Um, it was difficult, and instead of going to practice. I would drive to Orlando to work with Gio Valiente, who's a who's a sports psychologist, works with guys on tour. Um, he was he went to Florida. He's a big UF supporter, but he was the uh, I think he was in, uh, teaching at Rollins at the time or, or UCF. But um, so I'd drive down there and spend an hour and a half, two hours with him while the guys were practicing, just to get through that that mental space. And it was helpful, but but I never quite got back to that same just inner confidence that I had. And, and obviously the next two years, it shows, um, I wouldn't play bad. I could still play good, but it wasn't, I didn't feel like I could shoot 63. Whereas before I, you know, I would shoot 62, 63 on, you know, during qualifiers or at the golf course, just playing around with the guys. And now if I shot like 68, I was pretty happy, you know? So there's that, that five shot difference, six, six shot difference that, you know, it's it's tough because that doesn't come out in, in tournaments. You get in tournaments, the opposite happens. You usually go the other way. So um, that that was a battle that I had, and I I had it for a long time. You know, I still I probably still battle it to to some extent, but I don't play near as much competitive golf, so it's fine. <laughs> Looking back on you know those days when you would shoot sixty two, sixty three, like what were some of the things that you were thinking and feeling without maybe you know noticing it at the time? It was easy, simple as that. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to do anything too crazy. You know, we practiced all the time. Um, I remember one instance, Camilo Bajegas and I were down there. I don't remember if it was uh, after. It might have been after the season ended. He was, he was prepping for Q school or, or something else. He had just graduated. We were, we were out there kind of late evening. It was six o'clock or something on the range practicing, and we go out and play. And I think. Um, we played about 12 or 13 holes. I think I was like eight under, he was seven, eight under something like that. And we were like, well, we'll just, we'll just head on in. Cause it started getting slow. We weren't going to finish anyway. We're like, just going to head on in. It's no big deal. Uh, you know, so normally if you're eight under through 11 or 12, you probably want to finish. But we, we, the thing is we, we've been playing so good. It didn't, didn't much matter to us. It was just kind of like a no, another normal day. And, um, you know, thinking back, it wasn't nothing was forced. It wasn't like you're trying to hit a cut here. Or your swing thought was this or that. It was just kind of going out and playing and enjoying it and um, having zero, zero negative thoughts and having a lot of mental clarity um, just because there's nothing that was blocking you. It was just there was no there was no I mean, obviously, we're competing against each other, but there was no um, no tension, no, you know, kind of cloudiness in your mind, no know anything it was just going and, and executing shot after shot after shot and going to the next hole and <laughs> executing the next shot and um i guess the easiest way that you could say is you play one shot at a time and that was the epitome of it was then and when you do that it makes golf pretty easy and when you get out of the swing of things that it, it can make it hard i know i i was obviously never was as close to as good as you but when i went through my injuries i can empathize a lot with what you were talking about because I came back from them and uh, golf swings a little off. A lot of things were a little off, but you know, you'd look at a course and normally now I'm a little bit met, better frame of mind, but I look at a course and there's, you know, 60 yards side to side. I say, 
how am I supposed to get this ball to stay inside that 60 yards? That seems impossible. I'd look at, there are holes that were so easy, like you could hit an iron off it or something like that. I'd be like, how am I supposed to keep this within like that? That seems impossible. Cause once it, once it gets away from you, it gets away from you. And it's, it's hard to, once you've hit, once you've seen yourself hit those shots that are so bad that you kind of just have to look away. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard to unsee yourself having done that. And it's hard to escape that. You talked about how you worked with Gio a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about what you learned from him uh, in your sessions with him. Well, it, our first session, I remember pretty, pretty distinctly because he was, he was, you know, he started with that. You know, golf is very cyclical. You know, you you always go up and down, up and down, up and down. He goes, you know, when's the last time you had a had a lull in your golf game or a negative? I'm like, shit, gee, I don't, I've never have, I've never had a bad. I mean, I've had a bad tournament. I've never had a bad <laughs> two, three weeks. You know. Uh, he goes, what? And he's like, yeah. He's like, you have to have taken me through your whole deal. I took him through my whole life. He goes, well, okay, well, so this is new. So that was that was something that I didn't know. I didn't know it was was new. You know, like I figured, like, shit, everybody just plays good and keeps on playing and it just keeps going. And you know, I never had any really real adversity in the game. Um, but you know, it got to the point. You, know, you just mentioned you, you look out and you you see nothing but trouble or you, you think you can't hit this ball in, in, in this this area no matter what club and I ended up he wanted me to go out and play golf and instead of keeping score keep track of how many shots I hit good um, because he wanted to know if it was a mental thing or if it was a physical thing and you know I could go to the range and I could hit it pretty good on the range and I go to the course and just four left reload four right reload you know, um, make a 30 footer for double, go to the next hole, halfway excited. Uh, <laughs> but no, he, uh, so that's how I end up keeping score. I, I would, I would keep track of how many good shots I hit and not like the ones that ended close, like the ones that are good. You know, you can hit a good shot and it'd be end up terrible, but, uh, maybe not terrible, maybe front of the green instead of pin high. But, um, so I would tr- keep track of how many good shots I hit. And I think the first time I, I hit like eight good shots total for the round. And he was like, you know, it's not bad, but let's let's just try to increase that each time. And and um, you know, we worked on some mental mental cues and mental mental things, um, mainly just about focus and tightening up what, what you're what you're thinking and controlling your thoughts a little better, and, you know, things like that, which are easier said than done. Um, so that's that's kind of what we worked on. And then after that, we would just kind of just talk, you know, feedback on, on this and that and, and what worked, what didn't work. And, and, you know, if I would say something he would, that was new or that would kind of prompt him into a, another idea, we would, we would try that and work on that. And, um, it was, <laughs> we talked a lot. I just put it, <laughs> we talked a lot. <laughs> so, but it was, uh, no, it was, it was good. It was good information for me. It was, it was necessary at the time. And, um, I wish it wasn't necessary, but it was. But it was it was good info. It got me. It got me to the point where I could at least play golf competitively again and, and somewhat have a chance. I know something that some a lot of competitive golfers, especially college golfers, struggle with is you know when you work so hard at this skill and you be, become really good at it, uh, you know your self worth kind of can get tied up into how good you are at golf. And you know I've experienced struggles with that. I know Daniel's experienced the same thing. Um, with the kind of dramatic, um, how good you were and, you know, 
the struggles that you had, did you experience any struggles with that in particular? Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. That was probably the thing that I struggled with most. Um, you know, not, not that I, I thought people liked me because I was a good golfer, but that was my whole identity is my, my whole life. Um, you know, we, we, I would play and I would usually be first or second or up there near the top. And I was proud of that. And I was able to, um, you know, go on with that. Um, when you start playing poorly, you don't know, you don't know what you lose your identity. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Um, I didn't really go through depression or anything like that, but I was just, it was just different. I was a different person, um, because that piece was gone. And, and the, the, you know, back then there was no real, in like 2000 and I guess five through seven, there was no, you know, mental health wasn't really a thing. Um, nowadays there's a, there's a lot of mental health, you know, tools that you can use and, and, and things like that. But, um, no, I definitely went through that. The hardest part for me was, I guess, opening up to my, my teammates about it and spending time with my teammates because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the, the best player on the team. Well, I, I never was really, um, but I was one, always one of the top, you know, four, top three. As my years got older, I, I should have been the number one, but I never quite got there. But yeah, it's, it's one of those deals where you, you, you want to hang out with your friends, your, your teammates. But at the same time, everything that y'all do is, is evolves around golf, you know. So it's like shit. Like, I, what do y'all want to do? Let's go. Let's go play. A, you know, a fun nine. Well, I, I ain't gonna do that, fellas. I, <laughs> I just got beat up yesterday pretty bad <laughs> during qualifying. I'm, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'll go to the I'll go to the chipping area with y'all. We'll have some competitions with some wedging, but I don't think I'm gonna go on the golf course today. You know, so it, it changed. It it didn't change who I was per se. It changed the activities that I was open to doing with my my teammates and my friends and things like that. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely made me do some soul searching on what I enjoyed doing and what I was going to do, um, other than golf or outside of golf, you know, you learn pretty fast. You got to have something outside of golf. Cause otherwise, uh, when you're in one of those slumps, it can be, it can be a tough time, as you said, right there, but you kind of, you persisted through it your junior year, uh, you qualified for a few events played some there and then i know you played in i think a minor minor league tour event after graduating in maybe 2008 tell us a little bit about what the plan was uh finishing up college and coming out of college so finishing up college um my whole plan my whole life was to turn pro right um i told buddy my head coach my fr my first individual meeting i ever had with him um coach, you're going to have me for two years and I'm going to leave and I'm going to turn pro and that's going to be it. Um, didn't happen obviously, but, um, I was on track for that. My freshman year, sophomore year didn't happen. So, um, you know, my junior senior year to make the lineup at Florida was pretty difficult. Um, you had to play some good golf just to even travel. And I was always kind of on the edge. I was, you know, I might've played two tournaments my junior year, three tournaments my junior year, maybe two tournaments my senior year. Um, but I was always right there teetering between the five and six spot. And even if even if in qualifying, I might have nudged out one of the guys who was younger than me, um, Buddy would always take the younger guy. And and um, I know why. I mean, you want to get the younger guy experience, right? Because it's it's your team. You don't, you don't want to just, uh, yeah, you're a senior, let's go. Cause I, sh I know everything at this point, 
you know, he has nothing else to teach me other than um, just get me out there and let me go. Right. Uh, so, he, you know, he's trying to get the younger guys playing experience and tournament experience and, and, and really foster their game, which I'm all for. Um, didn't have any issues with it. But that's that was that was a tough thing. I remember sitting in his office one day um, talking to him. And he goes, mud man, I got to I got to take, you know, so and so, you know, you got to play good in a tournament. I was like, well, shit, coach, you know, you got to take me to a tournament first, you know, and I'm started crying. I'm like, this is some bullshit. I'm, I'm frustrated, like not upset, just frustrated because, you know, you work so hard. I know what I've been battling. Uh, he knows what I've been battling and you're almost there and you're almost there and you just want a chance. And um I think the, the last term he took me to, I didn't, I didn't break an egg, uh, but you know, so he's like, well, yeah, I, I just, you know, when you go to a tournament, you got to play well. And if you play well, then you're, you know, I'll probably keep taking you. I'm like, well, shit, you gotta, you gotta put me in there first. You gotta give me an opportunity. Um, but that was, that was the, uh, kind of frustrating, but I was, I was close. I was really close to, to breaking through and, um, you know, when I graduated, I, uh, I obviously didn't have the best two years leading up to that. Um, you know, so I, I went back to Kentucky for, I think, the summer, did some fundraising, got some bikers, went to uh, went and caddy down in, in uh, at Seminole, down in Juneau Beach. Practiced all, all winter, um, caddy, made money, saved money, just enough to, to where I could play a full season. And, um, you know, it wasn't a great season. Um, Obviously, I had the same issues, the same battles going forward. Except this time, I didn't have any anybody to lean on, anybody to talk to about them. Um, just kind of reverting back to what I would doing, what I who I was, you know, working with, and, and things like that. And, um, but yeah, it was it's it's a tough road. It is a tough road, professional golf, especially if you're not playing well. If you're playing well, it's it's still hard, but you at least have some positives. If you're not playing with a damn and <laughs> you're frustrated with a whole lot of things. It's just a tough, tough deal. So um, I'm glad I did it. I, would, I felt like I owed it to myself. Um, I think I played professionally for three or four years, um, just little tournaments here and there, Monday qualifiers, some hooters. Um, but eventually I was I was kind of tapped out, ready to, ready to switch gears. So you eventually decided that, as you said, it was time to be done with it. You you put yourself out there taking the chance, at least it's done right by yourself. Your next, your next path was going on to, I believe, be assistant coach at UK, um, and do coaching. What kind of drew you that direction? Uh, and what, yeah, what made you want to do that? I didn't know I wanted to do that. Honestly, I was, I was after college, I had lived in Juneau beach. I had lived in West Palm. I lived in, Fort Myers, all trying to play and working and playing and working. And, and then um, when Camilo was on tour, he uh, he had a house. He bought a house in, in Gainesville. And he had just recently moved to um, Jupiter that year. So the house was just sitting there empty, vacant. And so I'm like, well, shit, BJ, I need, I need a place to stay, man. Like, I, I got some money. I finally got a, a backer behind me that I met in Fort Myers. He gave me some money for a year. He gave me full reign for a year just just practice play let's see what you can do and uh, so i'm like well i got i got i got money and now i just need a place to practice and a place to stay right so i called camilo 
I said, BJ, you know, who's living in your house in Gainesville? He's like, nobody, bro. It's just sitting there empty. I'm like, well, I need a spot. You mind if I, you mind, mind if I house sit for, I don't know, you know, four months or a winter or whatever it is. He goes, yeah, for sure. I get there. There's absolutely nothing in there. It's just empty. So <laughs> I bought a TV, bought an air mattress, and I bought <laughs> two plates and some pans and uh, lived there for about six months. But I was, I was down in Gainesville practicing practicing every day, playing, practicing, playing, practicing, playing. Most of the, you know, most of the tournaments you play in are in Orlando, Jacksonville, you know, so it's about an hour and a half drive either way. Uh, obviously the, the facilities at Florida, they're pretty good. You know, I, buddy, buddy let me use everything. Like I was on the team, you know, they got pro V one balls and, you know, everything you could ask for, for practice. Um, so one, one day kind of towards, I don't know, it might've been March. Yeah. Probably March or April. I was on the back end practicing. He goes, Mud man, you know, when you get done, let me let me talk to you. Stop in my office. And I'm like, I'm not on the team. He can't yell at me anymore. I'm like, I, I know I, I repair my divs. I say my divs. I fix my pitch marks. Like, I, I wonder what he wants to talk to me about. So I go in his office afterwards, and, you know, we have that conversation like, you know, what are you going to do? Like, I know you're not playing well. Your money has to be running out. You know, what have you thought about what you're going to do? I'm like, not not really. I haven't. You know, I, I, I had some friends who were in the medical device sales and, and uh, I had opportunities there, but I didn't quite want to go down that road yet. And um, he said, OK, well, I tell you what, BC at Kentucky is going to be looking for a, an assistant because David Trainer, his old assistant, had just just gotten the. Uh, I think he was at Akron. He just got in the Akron job. And so BC, Brian Craig there uh, was going to be looking for an assistant. And and, uh, and so Buddy was like, you know, I think you'd be a good coach. You know, it would give you, you know, you know the game. You do, you have, you had a great rapport with all your teammates. You have a great rapport with, with most people. Um, you know, so I think, I think it would be a good thing for you. If you, you know, if you want me to make the call, I will to BC. And being from Louisville myself, I knew BC, um, just from recruiting because he, he recruited me to go to Kentucky and he um, I would talk to him quite a bit when we would go and watch my brother play the uh, conference tournament down at Sea Island. He, you know, so I said, well, yeah, you can call BC. I'll, I'll text BC or call him myself and we'll, you know, we'll talk. And, you know, that, that kind of went on for about a month. And then I went to, uh, I was up in, I was up in Louisville visiting my family and, and BC was like, Hey man, you want to come over? And, you know, I just, show you everything and, and whatnot and you know we can talk in person have a official interview if you will um i think there were probably one or two other guys who were interested in it but um ultimately bc ended up hiring me and that's that's kind of how i got into coaching so it was uh it wasn't something i i it wasn't really my plan it wasn't like hey man like i'm not playing well i, I want to get into coaching it wasn't any of that it was like a opportunities here let's you know well there's it keeps me around golf. It keeps me with, you know, being competitive. Um, so let's, let's, let's do this for a while and see if it's something you might like to do. So obviously it is, I'm still doing it. I think 14 years later, 13 years later, whatever it is. So, um, but that's how I got into it. During your um, time as the assistant at UK, you guys had um, some pretty good years there. I think when like, David Snyder was a senior, they, you guys made it to national championships two years in a row. Um, I believe you finished top 10 in national championships. Um, did you notice like you having a different perspective um, as a coach 
and how did how were you able to help the players the most just with your experience? I'll start off by saying I wish I coached before I tried to play professionally. It's a much different uh, lens you're looking through as a coach. Um, you see the the dumb things players do, and you and you realize the dumb things you're you're doing while you're playing. I I do at least, you know. I think my biggest asset as a coach is that I've been on both sides. I've been, you know, number one in the nation as a junior player, all American in college, you know, to the point where I was at the very, very low. I was the worst person on my team at one point. I think I lost every golf ball I had one one qualifying round over at, in a course in Jacksonville. And I had to borrow golf balls from my play, my, my playing partners and this and that. And uh, in hindsight, Buddy wasn't there. The assistant coach was there. And, and, and Buddy got upset with the assistant coach for letting me finish all 18 holes because I was playing that bad. It was like one of those that just mentally is going to wreck me. And it did. Um, but so I've, I've been on the lowest of the low. So I understand what it's like there. I can I can empathize with my guys and talk with them and, and, and not get pissed off if they play poorly because I know how hard it can be. Um, but I can also help them ride the momentum and, and keep working and, and keep on getting better and better because I've been on that side of it as well. So I think that's probably the, the, the biggest tool that I have or the, you know, the best tool that I have as a coach, um, you know, beyond that, obviously I, I have a wealth of knowledge just from being, being taught by a guy who was on tour, um, for 25 years. You know, my father is, is very knowledgeable about the game. Um, having a hall of fame coach under, you know, buddy Alexander, he's, He's a great player himself. He won the USAM, you know, once played the Masters, all that good stuff. So um, I have a lot of knowledge about the the ins and outs of the game, the little quirky, the little quirks of the game that a lot of people, you know, might not have. Um, so that's what I bring to it. That's what I enjoy getting my guys to do. And obviously the game changes, you know, right now it's much different than, than when I was, you know, a junior golfer playing, but um, you still got to get it in the hole. So when you were assistant coach there, you said you started to realize some of the dumb mistakes that you made and some of the dumb mistakes they were making. What were like the dumb mistakes that really stick out to you in your mind? Way too aggressive off the tee. Most of the time, if they were between ideas or, or couldn't figure it out, they would usually take the aggressive one and be like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to hit this one. Terrible decision. Uh, <laughs> um, the, the lines they pick into the, into the greens, um, probably overly aggressive if they're in, in out of play like in trees or whatever they would try the hero shot the majority of the time uh which doesn't doesn't bode well usually and, and then just you know playing you try to get them to, to to buy into playing within themselves and and making the right decision and playing to their strengths and um you know it's just not sexy it's just not a it's not it's not something that you're going to sit there after the round with your boys like man look dude i i laid up on this hole made a hell of a bug made a hell of a bug it was great you know you, you don't brag about that right there's just nothing about that that you want to tell a story but uh you know after the tournament if they did everything that they were supposed to they could brag about where they finished but the <laughs> the the one shot was more important to to them but more than how they finished you know, so I think that's probably the biggest, the biggest couple things that that young kids need to do, versus or kids in college need to do versus the guys on on TV. 
you rare you rarely see them make doubles and triples on TV. Rarely. You look at you're watching the golf right now on on uh, I think they're playing out where are they playing right now. I think they're playing out in Arizona right now on, on TV. The the NCAA is. And, I mean, you look at the scorecards. They're making six, seven, eight birdies. And they're shooting one over. Like, you know, you can't you can't you can't make enough birdies to get past two doubles or three doubles. You're the assistant coach at um, UK for four years. Um, you guys had you know pretty good success while you were there, and then I believe in 2015 you took the head coach job at Lamar University. So just talk about you know, how that came about and how, how it's going. After four years there at Kentucky, um, I felt like I was ready to, to be a head coach. Um, I was, I think I was 28, 29 at the time. Um, I was trying to fast, get in a, you know, fast track my, my career. Right. Uh, so I, I, the job was open. They offered it actually to Dusty Smith, who played golf at Lamar and was the assistant at Vanderbilt at the time. He he turned it down because um, he was married and his wife and everything had a good situation there in Nashville. Um, so I, I talked to him. I'm like, dude, like, what, what are you doing, man? He goes, man, it just wasn't right. You know, my wife what, didn't want to move back down there and this and that. And you know, fair enough. Um, so the previous head coach. One of the previous head coaches is Brad McMakin, who is the head coach at Arkansas. And obviously, we play a lot with Arkansas. Um, I knew Brad fairly well, and I I, I called him. I said, I said, Brad, man, like, is that job still open? He's like, Yeah, why? I said, Well, I'm interested in you know in getting down there. I'd like to know more about it. He goes, Well, Brad's from Beaumont, which is where Lamar is. So he's he was born here, grew, grew up here. He went to college, I think, at Oklahoma, and then came back and started coaching down here. So. Um, he, he knows the area, knows the, the, the community very well. Uh, so he goes, man, I can get you in contact with the people that, that you need to know. So I called, I called the, the people that needed, that I needed to know. And, and, uh, obviously the AD was involved with it at the time as well. And, and ended up coming down for a formal interview. And, um, after about two weeks of back and forth, I ended up getting offered the job. So it worked out pretty well. We had. My first, my first two or three years was was a challenge. We had some some NCAA um, things that we had to work through at the time, but we're past that now, and, and everything's going pretty good. It's going pretty good. When it comes to being, you know, a former player, you know what it was like to be recruited, that kind of stuff. As a coach, going out recruiting players, working with players, what's that been like for you, and has your experience kind of helped that? Um, yes and no. Um, you know, recruiting is so different now. It is, <laughs> it is completely different than when I was, when I was getting recruited. Um, you know, there wasn't really cell phones back then. Um, I mean, you had one, but it was like a, the big <laughs> block, <laughs> um, you know, so, um, they had, you know, the coaches had to call your house. You had to be home. You know, you had to talk to them right there at your kitchen table. Now, now, you can just text the kid or you can text you. You're, you're always available. Um, it's, it's, you know, social media, kids post everything, right? So, so uh, they'll get on social media and they'll, you'll, you'll look at their, they'll make a whole golf page, right? And, and you'll look at who's, who they follow and it's all every school possible. Um, so it's not like there, there's any hidden gems anymore. There's some guys you can, you can take a chance on and get lucky, but it's not like, man, I, I'm, I'm about to get this kid nobody's heard of. You know, there's none of that anymore. Um, 
but the the I think the the best part or the thing that's helped me the most is just being able to relate to the kids. You know, I'm I I'm still what you would consider a younger head coach, I think. Um not the youngest anymore, but I'm still fairly young and, and um I can relate to the kids a little better than some of the older guys. Now, obviously it, that brings in different challenges of, you know, Lamar, right? Uh, if I'm talking to a kid about going to Lamar instead of Texas, I mean, he, he knows what, he knows everything about Texas. He doesn't know a damn thing about Lamar, right? So that makes my job a little more difficult, but, um, you know, the recruiting portion of it, it's, it's, it's all done social media. You know, there's so many junior tournaments now. Like I asked a kid, I was emailing a kid yesterday and he sent me, and it was middle of February. He's like, yeah, I have these seven tournaments lined up. I'm like, who the hell plays seven tournaments in February? Like, what's going on? You know, like, to me, that didn't make sense. I'm like, like where are we playing these? Like, I, <laughs> do you have school? I mean, what? <laughs> you know, like, damn. But uh, it's, 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 uh, it's different. It's, it's very different now. But it's, it's, it's like anything else, man. It's, you got you to gotta grow and adapt with it and, and try to figure it out the best you can. Um, there's a lot of internationals that we, that I recruit. Um, you know, obviously I don't always go over and watch them. Uh, I try to find one tournament that maybe five or six of them are playing. I'll go watch them at that one tournament uh, versus down here in Texas. You just kind of drive over, watch them for the day and drop back. It's nothing, nothing too, too crazy, but um, you know, it's, it's just a grind. It's a lot of travel. It's um, it's a, comp- that's the biggest comp- competition I think is the recruiting piece of it. Because every if you're really good, every coach is going to talk to you, and then from then on, it just depends on who you like the most. Doesn't always have to be the best school; it's just who you like the most and which one you want to go to. What do you look for in a kid if you're you know watching him for the first time on the course in a tournament? I look a couple of things. I look at his demeanor. If he feels com- if he looks comfortable, or if he looks skittish or nervous. Um, not that nerves are bad. But, you know, there's some kids who who know they belong and there's some kids who are just doing it because they don't have anything else to do. Um, I look at that. I look at how they treat their uh, their playing partners, how they treat their parents. If they have a bad hole, you know, if they're. If they have an attitude or not, or if they're disrespectful or not, I don't want to deal with any of that. Um, You know, and then obviously the the how far you hit it. I want to know how far you hit. I want to have somebody who is pretty good. Um, short game and putting, you know, I want to have a kid who's got a little feel, um, and typically a good putter. So beyond that, it, it, you know, scores are scores, but the a score, you know, has its own deal. I want I want I want a kid who has the potential of, of going low, not a kid who's shooting 73s and, and hitting, you know, five irons off the tee to keep it in play and just playing safe. You know, I want to, I want to have a kid who's going to go out there and have a chance of going low. So, um, but I think the biggest piece is, is, is their attitude, what, what their demeanor is and their attitude and how they respond to, to adversity on the course. I can remember a recruit coming to campus and like in, fr- in front of us was kind of a, not like a big dick to his parents, but wasn't nice. And all of us like afterwards, though, just the players were like, man, that kid was mean to his parents. Like if he's going to be mean to his parents, how is he going to treat us? And so we told there are a few other things, but one of the things we told coaches like, no, he wasn't nice to his parents. Let's not, let's not have him. So uh, that, I know that's an important thing to consider when it comes to you watch kids on the course, you see them play and then they get to you. What do you do 
um, as a coach, you know, to help them prepare for tournaments before you guys travel or do anything like that? Uh, day one on campus or day one of practice, I usually work with the freshmen or the incomers, make sure they have a good foundation of, of free shot routine. Um, knowing their yardages, we do a lot of yardages uh, work in terms of just getting straight carry yardages. Because um, a lot of juniors don't, they have no idea. They're like, oh, I think I hit this. You know, how far you hit your six iron? I don't know, but you know, one eighty five to one ninety five. I'm like, well, what the hell is that? That's a that's a big yard. That's a big gap, my man. Um, you know, so we get the specific carry yardages and and things like that. And um, to prepare for a tournament, you know, you got your practice round. We, I don't really do anything crazy beforehand unless I know the course. We might do a couple of specific, you know, tee shots or whatever to prepare for the course. But um, honestly, I, I just try to teach them how to get a yard properly, you know, make sure they're playing every every variable, wind, blah, uh, you know, where you need to land it, the softness, you know, whatever it is. Because um, a lot of kids don't understand that. They're like, you know. 193 to the pin. I'm just going to hit this. It goes 195. Meanwhile, it's a back pin. They catch a flyer. They're 30 yards long. Make double. You know, you can't. You can't do that in college golf. Um, so it's 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 more of just teaching them the 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 things that are going to help them the quickest. You know, um, knowing your yardages, pre-shot routine, knowing how to find a yardage, and then you know what what to look for in order to picking the, the correct golf shot. Um, those, those four things are going to you know, make you play at least two, three shots better per round if you do them adequately. Um, but on the road, it's just let them play. You know, if, if, we're on, if we're at a tournament, I usually walk with my freshmen just to teach them those things the first couple times they play. And then hopefully they understand if, and I let them loose. And if they don't get it, then I'll, I'll walk back with them until they get it. Um, but those are the things that are important to me and important to, to, um, I guess the scores. Mm -hmm. We're about to, about to get to our last question, but I wanted to, and I know you got to stop coming up soon, but I wanted to ask something really quickly, as far as qualifying goes, who you take on the trip, et cetera. It sounded like when you talked about your time at Florida, you know, you were kind of in this conundrum where you're like, coach, like, I just need some chances out there. I need to get a few bites of the apple. Uh, and maybe you were playing a little better than the guy you took, but the other guy was younger. When it comes to your framework and um, when it comes to your framework for qualifying, what do you look at to determine who's going to go? And does your past experience influence that at all? It does. Um, it, it does to a degree. All right. So I, I always have qualifying. I usually qualify four and I pick one. Right. So. Um, I, I almost go straight by the, by the numbers. Um, you know, your, your top three are always going to be your top three, your four and five guy toss up, right? Just depending on how many rounds they play. Like if we have, a, if we have a two day qualifier, I might pick two just because for two days, anybody can play good, you know, but, um, there, there's been, I think two times in my eight years as a head coach where I haven't taken the, the guy who finished fifth in qualifying. Um, and one just happened this last, our last tournament. Um, and it was because I knew the course and I knew the guy's game. And it was just like a look, man, like I just, I just don't trust your, your driver. I just don't trust you off the tee. And, and it was one of those deals where he was playing uh, qualifiers hitting two irons off every tee four irons off the tee five irons off the tee 
Like you can't, you, you don't go and play a tournament like that. Right. That's not, that's not what I'm looking for when I, when I want to bring my, my best five. Um, so it, it's, it's situationally, but I pretty much always go from the numbers um, for, for two reasons. One, because obviously they, they deserve it. That's the portion where I, where I have the, the kind of the history of like, man, like you deserve to go, with, you know, you, you qualified, we'll take you. Right. There's even an instance two years ago where a kid, I took a kid after the term, he goes, you know, I just, thanks for taking me. I'm like, dude, you qualified. Like <laughs> you did it, not me. Um, so there's that piece, but, but also you, you want to, if I, if during qualifying, if I see a guy who's just playing so like safe all the time, not taking any chances, just making sure that he's not making big numbers. I have, that's where you have to use your judgment as a, as a coach and, and put the, the team before his feelings. Um, Cause it's, a, it's never an easy conversation. I actually hate having that conversation. Um, it's one thing I dread really. It, like, it doesn't give me anxiety, but like, I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta call this kid and I gotta, break this news to him you know it's almost like you're breaking up with your girlfriend for the first time and you're like man like i still know how to say it but here we go you, you're not going <laughs> sorry <laughs> you know you're, you have a question yeah why not well this is the reasoning you don't have to agree with it but you know i'm i'm the i'm the coach i make the final the final decision so um you know this is why work on it we'll we'll get you to the next one if you're in there well that's a very fair way to do it and i like i like how um everything's done via via qualifying for the most part because as you said if you go out there you play you do it it's it should be pretty hard to bring someone in over you except for those extenuating circumstances you mentioned i think that really gets us uh, as far as time and everything covered a lot of great stuff today the last question we ask every guest is if you go back to yourself as a junior golfer and tell yourself just one thing what would that one thing be me personally i i don't take the summer off between freshman and sophomore year of college. <laughs> when you're playing good, keep it going. And if you're going to give that, if and as a coach, if you're going to give advice to a junior golfer, what would it be? Compete. Play play the most competitions, the best competitions that you can get into, and um, go out there and and battle it out. Only way to get good. Perfect. Well, if people want to reach out to you, find you on social media, that kind of stuff, learn more about you, where can they do that? Instagram, Facebook. I don't really use Twitter. Um, you can go on the on Lamar's website, Lamar Cardinals. You know, whatever it is, Jmud six five is my uh, my Instagram. Uh, Lamar Men's Golf has an Instagram, so any, anything on there, you can you can reach me. Well, perfect. Make sure to give Jesse a follow. And for us, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a rating and subscribe. Or if you're listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Helps us get our message out to more people. Also, if you're interested in following us, you can find us on Twitter at Tournament Code and on Instagram at The Tournament Code. 